Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch. Hello and welcome to the Women's Football Podcast on Switch Sport with Kevin Moore and Ross Thorpe. And our guest this week is uh, Hannah George from West Bromwich Albion Women. Hello, Hannah. Hi, you all right? Thanks for having me. No, it's our pleasure. And uh, another player from the Albion that's joining us on the podcast for this season as well. So it's great to have you on board. We've got a fair few things we're going to cover during the course of uh, the programme as well. But let's start off with Hannah. So growing up in Worcester then, and still in Worcester for that matter, what was the football team that the family supported? Uh, what teams did your friends at school support? Did you actually watch any local teams in and around Worcester yourself, did you? So uh, the family sort of support Liverpool. So my dad obviously grew up supporting Liverpool and he was watching it on telly and obviously that's the team that I've sort of... Players like um, Gerard and Owen, when they played there. So that's the team that I follow now, um, which are not doing too bad. So in school, I think around then it was like the same. It was like Liverpool, Man United, the Arsenals. They were all like the popular teams as we're growing up. Not so much like the local teams. Um, but we did, obviously, Worcester City were a good team. Back then, the stadium was in Worcester, whereas now it's not. Um, so, yeah, my dad used to take me down to Worcester City and we'll go and watch a few games down there. And then the, probably the next sort of closest team we've been to watch is obviously Birmingham City. It's one of those where my dad's work used to have a box take me down for a few games, and which I really enjoyed going there, and the atmosphere is always great at uh, St Andrews. So those are the few teams that I... That I've watched. Okay, you mentioned there Liverpool then, uh, Hannah. Is there a family connection why your dad is a Liverpool fan? Um, not not that I'm aware of. I think just growing up, I think he, he just enjoyed watching Liverpool and the football that they played and, and then just followed them throughout. Of course, you mentioned Worcester City then. They're a big sort of size, big name sort of non-league team within this part of the Midlands as well. You know, a lot of people do know what Worcester City are about as a club. Are you aware of teams or were you aware growing up of teams like Bromsgrove Sporting and other teams? Or was it, was it just mainly Worcester City was the sort of the main sort of local non-league team that you and your family were aware of? For me, yeah, it was just Worcester City mainly that we, we followed and went to watch a few times. And then Worcester was probably the main one for us. So you started playing football for Lippard Rangers at the time. What was the experience like playing in local leagues for that team? And who were your local rivals that you really looked forward to playing against when you were playing for Lippard Rangers? So the local boys' leagues were, were very good. Um, obviously not having any girls' youth teams to go to. The boys' teams and the leagues that they had, were there was loads. So in Lippard was one of the teams that I think one of my friends went to, so I went along and trialled. One of the, the rivals, I think, were Hadley Rangers. I said, I think a couple of my friends from primary school used to play for them, so it was always, you know, we had a bit of bit of banter of, yeah, we're going to beat you this time, and it always got really competitive, even at school. So, yeah, I did give as good as I got on the pitch as well. Yeah. <laughs> Hannah, from that point of view where you talk about, you know, giving as good as you got and all of that, was that something that when you look back on your career, where it first started... Was you glad that you had that involvement of playing in a boys' league because it does offer you know a different side to the game in terms of physicality, but you know it's, it's a little bit quicker, all of that kind of stuff. Even at that age, is that something when you look back, you'll be looking and going, "I'm glad I went down that route and didn't go into like the RTC at a younger age to what you did." I think definitely. I think I'm glad I did obviously play with the boys, and it definitely benefited me. Because um, I was always taught, my dad was like, if they kick you, you get up and you kick them back twice as hard. So I think I gained a lot, a lot of respect from the boys and the, the teammates. I think they just treated me like like one of those, and I wasn't like the girl that was playing in the boys' team. I was just playing in the team. We'd come up uh, against a few of the other teams, and parents would say to like 
my mum and dad like, oh, you know, she's quite good and she doesn't care and she'll just go through here because I played in defence back then as well. From the early days, you've always been a defender. I started off as a defender, yeah, and then obviously when I through to the under 10s when I went to Birmingham, I think I moved towards more midfield. Again, when you look back on it now and... Again, I know as we go into the show, we'll talk about, you know, as, as your career's evolved and opportunities to, you know, fullbacks nowadays are expected to get further up the field. When you look back at that now, do you still ever look at it and go, oh, I'd much rather play a little bit further forward, but because you are such a good fullback, you just have to take it on the chin. That's why you've uh, you've made a career out of being there. Yeah, I think I'd always love to go and go and play probably in the midfield again. But I do enjoy getting a, as a fullback because you sort of get the best best of both worlds because you do you do get to go forward a lot, putting crosses and get involved. So either way, I, I like to get forward. It's a position that I've, I've actually at the start I was a bit unsure about playing fullback, um, but I've sort of grown, worked hard, and then it's just become my position. Was there ever a time when you was at Lippard where you looked and thought, mm, I don't know if I want to carry on playing football, or was was football the pretty much to be all and end all for you and you know coming from a, a footballing background in terms of your family was that always something that you just wanted to play for you know for as long as you could I don't think it ever crossed my mind that I didn't want to play football I think that's all I did all day every day at school outside of school in the street with the friends outside till it goes dark that's all I was playing was football so yeah it didn't really cross my mind I think I just enjoyed it that much that I, I just thought yeah Let's see how far I can go. You also had the uh, opportunity to play at a county level, being selected as captain for Worcestershire Girls Under-16s, which must have been on a personal basis, a very proud moment for both yourself and uh, your family. Can you share with us the process of how the Worcestershire FA selects players to play for the county? Did this involve representing Worcestershire against other teams from other counties in England? And uh, during this time, were you in contact with other women's teams in Worcestershire who approached you to play for them? So it goes through the schools... One of my PE teachers, I think, come to me one day and said, are you going for a trial for the county? And I was like, oh, OK. And just said that they put they put a couple of girls' names forward to then go trial. And then you get an email saying, you know, you've made the squad sort of thing. And then there was a, a meet-up and you'd have a few training sessions. And then they'd organise all the games and, and stuff like that. I mean, it was it was quite special because I'm very proud of becoming captain. Because uh, it was only like the first, I think it was the first or second year that the, that Worcestershire had a girls county team. So for me that was special and I really enjoyed it. We met quite a few girls from all, all different schools, which was a good experience. Yeah, so we travelled around sort of like Shropshire, Leicestershire, all sorts of counties to play play against other teams. Was I in contact with any other clubs in Worcester? I don't think so. I don't think there was many girls or women's football teams in and around Worcester, I think it was only Worcester City, and obviously it was a senior team that hadn't turned 16 yet, so I wouldn't have been able to play anyway. So I was quite happy at Blues and quite focused there. I mean, nowadays, for what you know about that situation, Hannah, uh, uh, do you think it has changed, though? Do you think there might be teams like your Kidderminster Harrys and teams who might look at that sort of level now and think this is a potential recruitment opportunity for us to look at young players in the county and get more involved and recruit them to their clubs as well? I think definitely. I think it is, it's good because you get sometimes girls that don't actually play for clubs go through the school and go to county. It's a good opportunity for them to show themselves and get the other clubs to recognise them and then maybe go and play club football. Um, so, but it is a good opportunity because I got asked to go back to to watch a game a couple of years ago at the 
Girls County and there is some good talent from there and I recognise a few that play for West Brom and Blues and stuff like that so they've got a good standard. And uh, what was the training and game preparation like at county level Hannah and at that time who were your favourite coaches that you ended up working with? Who were the, the best coaches you during that period who you felt were really good for the county and were supported in developing you as, as a player as well? I believe we trained probably once once every couple of weeks and then again midweek once or twice a month. So yeah, and the coach, the manager that we had was Gary Barrell. Um, he previously managed Leafield. So yeah, he's a great coach, very positive, very enthusiastic in women's football. Yeah, he's, he's an all-round good good guy. So, you know, I really enjoyed working with him. And obviously he asked me to come back, obviously, a few years to have a look at the team. And I saw him again when we played uh, Leafield in the County Cup. So, yeah, he's very enthusiastic in women's football, so which is good. So, Hannah, from that point of view, when you're talking about representing the, the county and knowing Worcestershire County boys' sides, as I did from my time when I was doing rep football, like you say, there's, there's a lot of talent in Worcestershire that, you know, unless you see them on a regular basis, you sometimes... People can go under the radar a little bit if you're not from within the area. But at that time, you know, quite a pivotal time in your life, you know, under 16 level, you know, you would have been near enough coming towards the end of your time at Birmingham, which I know we're going to talk about moving forward. Obviously, you would have been in and around school starting to come towards a finish in terms of GCSEs and all of that. How much of an extra commitment was that for you in terms of, you know, you'd be training at Birmingham, you'd be playing for Birmingham, You'd be trying to study, but then you'd also be having quite a privileged role of, of representing your county, but then also captaining your county. So at that period of time, was it quite demanding for you, not just physically, but mentally as well? Yeah, it was, it was quite demanding. I don't really know how I sort of dealt with it. I think I just, I'm just one of those that just gets on with it and just wants to play as much football as possible. I would go to school. And then I'd rush back, get on my moped and go up to um, to Nunnery Wood for the game. So I didn't have to, so my mum and dad weren't too worried about, you know, rushing around and getting me there. So yeah, school was, was a lot, but obviously my parents were pushing me to, to study, to get those uh, results that, uh, you know, which will help me in the future, um, which was important. But I enjoyed it. One of those where at school you just want to just enjoy it and as much football as possible. What was the difference in standard like? Because, again, I know when you've mentioned you played against other counties, you know, Shropshire and Leicestershire, etc. I'd imagine you'd probably come across girls that you probably would have played against within the, the Centre of Excellence games programme as well. Was there much of a difference between county football and training compared to what you were doing at Birmingham at that time as well? It wasn't as a higher standard um, because, obviously, you get the, the odd couple that had that have played like through the uh, centre of excellence and stuff like that but other players were just in and around their local football so you sort of just work together as best as possible and obviously just play to your strengths but yeah it was wasn't at the highest of standards in theory but obviously the players that obviously played for like your blues your west brom your village you could you could see because they sort of stood out Okay, Hannah, so uh, on joining Birmingham City Under-10s, you started within the Centre of Excellence at the Blues. Now, how did you find the experience to begin with? And what was the routine like for you and your family to ensure you managed to fit in training sessions with your school routine and also your family work commitments of your parents as well? Completely different from when I finished playing with the boys and I went to the Under-10s. Physically, I was quite strong, obviously, coming from playing with the boys. 
I'm not sure sort of what the backgrounds of the girls from the under tens, but I was a lot stronger and going to into tackles a lot harder. And I was, I think I could come back the once and I went, Mum, this is different. I was like, I don't know whether I'm enjoying it because I'm not like I'm not playing like like the boys. Like, so my mum said, oh, you know, said the other day, said it maybe it would have been beneficial if you went up another age group and gone to the under twelves for like for me to be physically more demanding. But sort of my parents. You know, they're very supportive and I think, you know, if I if I didn't have the support from my parents, I don't think I'd have got as far as, as what I have. You know, it's down to them that, you know, my dad would come back, finish work, and he worked in Birmingham. I'd rush back from school, have tea, we'll wait for my dad to come back from Birmingham, for then my mum to take the car and drive me to training in Birmingham. So it was a lot of travelling, but it paid off and I worked hard and it's down to those that my parents that pushed me which I'm grateful for. Looking back, though, with a bit of hindsight now, do you think that was a good thing because because you kept busy all the time, you just got into a routine of doing things, of school activities and playing football? Do you think that was a good way of sort of organising yourself and do you think that's helped you in sort of later life and being sort of taking a more organised approach to things as well on a personal basis? I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm fairly organised now. So, yeah, it has definitely prepared me. I like to know sort of what I'm doing during the day and what time and it's good to be definitely be organized but yeah after school sometimes I'll have a game after school I'll be pushing it for time and I'm literally sprinting up the road to get home to have me tea and go to training um but yeah it was very hectic one of those again you, you just enjoy enjoy it and want to play as much football as possible I get a bit lost especially uh, now when I'm not as busy um so I'm trying to do little things keep myself busy i don't like being bored and not doing anything <laughs> you've gone in at birmingham and as you alluded to there it was you may have found that by having playing up an age group when you first went in there might have been a little bit more physically challenging for you but at the time when you went into birmingham and again the club that they've gone on to become i think it's fair to say that locally between blues and villa they were the two biggest clubs probably in the midlands at that point from a, a girls center of excellence point of view was there a bubble almost what you'd come out of in terms of being at Lippard and it being grassroots to now going in and being around some really good players of your own age group who were girls. How did that look for you in that sense? Was it totally different where you thought, oh, it's like going from one extreme to the other? You think about it and you're thinking, oh, I'm actually playing for Birmingham City. And it's like, it's crazy. I'm playing against like your Villas and your, your West Broms and, and teams like that. And you think it, it was a bit excited. I used to love the rivalry against Villa was just great. It was one of the one of the fixtures that I always look forward to. Always look forward to in the season, and it was just. I don't think I cared if we lost every game, but as long as we went there and performed and hopefully got the result, I think you know it was just one of those the big game for us. Who would have been in the centre of excellence around that same age group period time as you? The players that maybe playing. You know, WSL Championship, National League, etc. Now that we might know of Anna Wilcock, who was at West Brom recently, she just moved to Cov United. Obviously, playing against against Villa, you've got uh, Katie Wilkinson, who we I always used to come up against in midfield. It was always a tough battle. Obviously, Eva Mannion, obviously playing against against her at Villa, and actually she played with me in the under under twelves. I think she was at Blues before she went to Villa. She was a great player, even as a youngster. So yeah, we did have quite a good team. Until she left for Villa, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't, we don't speak about them ones, do we? But, you know, at that point of view, when you, you know, you've mentioned the local games against Villa and West Brom, etc., did you go much further afield at that point? Was you playing regularly against teams such as 
Arsenal, Liverpool, Man United and, and teams like that? Or was it more regionalised and central at that point? Everton was one of the teams that we played quite regularly in the season. Very good setup Everton had. Arsenal, we played those. It wasn't one of the main, main teams we played, but we had, did play those a few times. Again, the setup they've got there at Arsenal was, and some of the players that have come from the centre to the first team now. Man United, we played those. I think we played those once, I think, at under-16s. I remember playing that game because uh, I scored a hat-trick. And obviously, being a Liverpool fan, I think m- my dad was, was buzzing. And so was I on the way home. And I think it was the best game I'd, I'd played for the under-16s. So, yeah, I, I remember that, that one very clearly. Was it quite a, a surreal time for you in that sense that you're this young girl from Worcestershire who drives around on mopeds to go county training and rushes around to go training at Blues, this, that and the other. But obviously coming from where you'd come from at grassroots level to then be going and playing against some of the biggest clubs in the country, was that something that even bothered you at the time or was it just in your eyes it was, you know what, it's another game of football and it's something I just love doing no matter whether I'm playing grassroots or whether I'm playing for for Birmingham and scoring a hat-trick against Man United? Obviously when you're younger, I think it didn't really bother me. I think it was just... I'm playing football, but I'm playing football for, you know, Birmingham City at a good level. And again, just enjoying it. I think that was that was the main thing for me, that getting as much game time and playing football, playing football for Blues, making friends as well, a good time for me. And that would have been around the time when the Super League was starting to become a little bit more professionalised, wasn't it? So, that, you know, in terms of the, the early days of the, of the Super League, you know, teams were starting to take that plunge of going from part-time to full-time even at that age when you were kind of stepping between under 16s into the reserves was that always the aim when you you left school was the vision to be playing football full-time or was it to to look at doing something different and then just playing part-time football in the under 16s I think I had an extra year because when they changed the age groups to under 17s for that year I just I think I was the oldest and they changed it and so I had an extra year and I think through then I was like I just want to play I just want to play in the first team I just want to get there I want to push myself um, and obviously having that time between the reserves and under 17 so I was training with the reserves and playing with the reserves so it just it put me in good stead it's going towards women's football that's what I wanted to play essentially. At that point where you were flipping between the 17s and reserves and in terms of training, etc. Did you notice much of a difference because you'd been in the system for seven years at that point? Did you notice a difference in terms of, even at that stage, the physicality of just them potentially going up against 18 and 19-year-olds or was it not really that big a difference? I mean, I I didn't see that much difference between, obviously, 17s and reserves. Yeah, there wasn't a massive difference I saw anyway. The massive difference was obviously going from the reserves to first-team football. So, Hannah, then, uh, it would have been during that time as well that you would obviously would have come into contact and been coached by people like Dave Parker and uh, Mark Skinner. What was it about their particular coaching styles and approach to the game that you found most useful in your personal development as a player? I found that during training sessions, games, they just they gave us a lot of detail when they was coaching us, um, technically, tactically, always very approachable as people could always ask them questions and ask them how how can I improve this always pushing me to be better questioning me if I could have made a better decision obviously decision making is quite important obviously growing up in you have to picture 
what you're seeing and just play what you see and sort of your patterns and stuff. So they sort of drilled that into me. Obviously, obviously your patterns are very detailed in what they were they were coaching you. At that time then, Hannah, was that quite a, a surprising change for you to have that sort of level of detail when you got people on a one-to-one base explaining particular scenarios to you, how you think you should be reacting to things on the pitch? Yeah, so obviously I would, as you get like 16, 17s, reserves, it was good to have it sort of position-specific and it helped you understand where you should be at certain points um, on the pitch, whether you're defending or you're attacking. It helped you be more aware when you're playing a game. And it sort of helps you out to be in, in the right positions and um, to help your teammates in that as well. Hannah, so knowing Dave and Mark as I do, a lot of players who we've had on the show do, I think it's fair to say in terms of characters, etc., they're very chalk and cheese. You know, Mark is Mr. Energetic, Mr. Lively, wants to help everybody. Dave's a little bit more serious, but in terms of his detail and all that, he's very focused with what he wants to get. How did you find that working with both of them so I know what you're talking about in terms of there was elements of detail elements of structure all of that but I think as coaches they're both very different and also at that time was there much was there much of a pathway from the reserves into the first team did you see players from the reserve team group that you was in actually stepping up and training or being on the bench for the first team Uh, a few players that obviously when we got the opportunity to go and train with the first team there was a group of us that would go up and train Obviously, I was a bit more focused on what what I was doing as to what you know what other people um, were getting into the first team. But yeah, so it was getting the opportunity. I think with Mark, Mark was always probably the the one you could have a laugh with, and Dave, yeah, a bit more serious. They sort of did work well together. With Dave, obviously being more connected to the first team, he sort of helped me with that journey towards the first team. So yeah, you could see the pathway with Dave, him trying to push me to be better, to get me prepared towards the first team. I think I kind of got uh, caught you on a hop a little bit there by saying that Dave and Mark are like chalk and cheese, but I know Dave very, very well, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying that either. But from that point of view then, so you just got in and around the reserves again, you're now playing, like rightly say, you know, there was a group of you there that had made the step up, but at that period of time, like you've again alluded to, you know, your focus is yourself, at that stage, did you feel you were far away from the first team in terms of you know, your own ability, your own character, your own personality? Did you, did you look at it and go, actually, do you know what? I think I should be closer to the first team than potentially you was. Or when you first went into the reserves, did you feel that was the right time for you to be in the reserves, so to speak? To be in the reserves, obviously, I think I needed that sort of step to work on. Sort of, I was quite shy a shy person, quite quiet on the pitch. Um, so that's sort of the area that I, I needed to work on and being around the older girls, slowly coming out out of my shell. But yeah, so I think it was the right time for me to go to reserves and then, then obviously move on to Cov to get that bit more experience. So Dave Parker, Hannah, prior to coaching and managing at Blues, also managed youth teams in America. During your time with him, did he share any of the experiences with you of his time in the States? And uh, given the opportunity, would you consider playing in America as well, would you? Um, to be honest, I wasn't aware of of him coaching or over in America. But obviously it's becoming a lot more popular and the girls that I've spoke to who have been over to America, whether it's for university and it's always been quite positive and they always say, oh, you should go and do it. It's, it's a great experience. If the opportunity ever, ever came along, I think, I think I would consider it 
purely on the, the feedback that I've got from so many of the girls that I've spoke to about going over to America that they said it's a, you know, something that, that you need to do. Would consider it if the opportunity come along for me. So you mentioned there about people you know have played in the States then, uh, Hannah. Is there any particular players you play with now? or Can you give us some names of people you've, you've had conversations with who've, who've played in America and, and what sort of experience they've got out of it as well? A few girls from Villa, Jade Richards, Tash Baptiste, Hayley Crackle, they all recently have been over to America. Also a lot of the younger ones that I played with, sort of Molly Rouse from Villa, They when, when I was at Villa they left to go over to the university. Gabby Reed, who played for us last season, she trained, went to university over there and said it. obviously it was a great experience for her. So yeah, there's quite a few that I've spoke to. Hannah, a good friend of mine's Nick Pierce, who I know worked with you in the reserves at Birmingham. And I think in your, your last year at Birmingham, in the reserves was when you won the reserve division. When I was speaking to him the other day and I said that we was having you on the show and obviously trying to get a little bit more intel on it, he said that year when you won the league, I think you won the league on the, the last day of the season, but at that point it had already been announced that Birmingham weren't going to be having a reserve team moving forward. And he said that on the day where you won the league, he remembered going back into the dressing room after the game and it was quite subdued for a team that had won a a league title. What was your take around that time and that whole experience of the, the reserves being disbanded? I can actually remember, yeah, in the change room, it was a very a strange atmosphere. I think we were all excited on the pitch, celebrating, and then I think it just hit some of the girls, obviously, who'd been in the reserves longer, uh, that they weren't going to have a reserve team and sort of they had to plan where they were going to go next. I think I didn't think personally I thought about it too much, but obviously, being so young, I think. I thought that, you know, I'm just going to play football. So wherever wherever I do end up, I think I just wanted to play football, whether it be still at Blues or elsewhere. So I was just weighing up the options. But yeah, it was it was um, a strange one. But I, I suppose they went out on a, on a high winning the league, which was which was a good a good experience as well. You obviously knew before the game that this was going to be your last game playing for the reserves, all of that. Probably going into the summer holidays, potentially going away with friends or family or or that kind of stuff. At that point, because I know that was when Dave then made the step up to become first-team manager at Birmingham, how much longer after that was was it a case of when you come back after the summer, you was straight back into training in and around the first-team, or at that point, was that when you then, Dave said, you know, go and get some game time at Coventry? Because the obviously the, the Women's League was in the summer. I think I had a month or two off, and then I was asked to go to train. Uh, with the first team and and then obviously after a while and I think Dave suggested that I go and get some game time over at Coventry City which during that time then they would have been in pre-season. I think it was a good idea obviously to go and get some experience in women's football before obviously if it was an option for me to then go into the first team I think that was the, the next step I had to take. At that stage though did you see it as, as that? Always get a little bit like mm, I've been at the club since you know nine, ten years of age. You've gone right through the ages, just as you're right on the cusp of the first team. Then it's a case of right, we need you to go out and get football at, at senior level, and in some people's eyes, you're dropping down a couple of levels to play for Coventry. I mean, personally for me, I think there's more benefit girls coming out of centre of excellence and going and playing women's football than being in and around the reserves. And all that. that that's just my own personal opinion, and it would be good to get your take on that now that you're at West Brom as a 
one of the senior players, if you see girls coming out of your RTC programme, do you try and talk positively and encourage them to go and make that step into playing at, you know, potentially a, a West Midlands regional premier side or a team in the, the league below if physically and technically they're good enough? I had a conversation with one of the coaches uh, the other day. I said I think it would be beneficial if, obviously, when they come out of the, the RTC to actually go and, and, and play women's football because I think it's it's so much more physically demanding. Because when you step up to like your reserves, um, your development, you're sort of still playing in and around the same, your same age group. Whether you drop down a couple of leagues, you're going to get that player that's going to push you about, is going to test you. you know, you're going to have to prove yourself against sort of physically stronger, stronger women, um, which I think would benefit the younger ones more so than being in and around the development and playing in, in the same age group. And do you think there's also that element of when you've worked your way through the centre then going into the reserves and although at the time for the reserves you won the league and like you say everyone was dead happy about that it's still development football in a lot of people's eyes when you make that step across or up into the first team all the stuff that you've learned in terms of development and it's about enjoyment and all of that you're now going into an arena where it's right we've got to try and get three points on a, a Sunday afternoon and then potentially managers jobs are at risk if that doesn't happen. This would have been the first time you would have experienced that. Do you still see an importance and value for that now for the RTC girls, like you say, at West Brom? Is it important that they understand what that feels like from a, an early age if they're going to come into your environment and survive, so to speak? I think it is important. I think, obviously, when I took the step, step up, I think it was a bit, you had to sit back and just take it all in because this was something that you weren't, aware of or the way the training went the way the sort of coaches sort of spoke to the players it's one of those where you just sit back I wasn't prepared for this I think definitely I think the younger ones should be more prepared and coaches should prepare them better for when they do step up to women's football it's completely different it's not as nice (laughs) no it's not in a way if you look at some of the coaches you've worked at over the years, and I know as we move into the next part of the show, you know we're going to talk about some of the people you've worked with at senior level. But do you think that is something that even at 14, 15, 16, as a young player, do you see a value for players starting to get the taste for what it's about in terms of talking about winning? Because having worked in boys' academies and girls' RTCs, I think some people get a little bit scared of using the the word winning and losing. Yet when some of the kids get to the age groups near enough round where winning and losing now starts to mean something, it can become a little bit overwhelming. Do you think we need to start doing a little bit more of that earlier within you know, the RTC? I think definitely. Because at the end of the day, once they take that step up, it is that's all it comes down to is winning. Performing well and, and winning the game and getting those three points. Technically and tactically, it's more demanding so there's a lot of information that, that you need to take on. Personally, I think, I've always think, I, I want to win. That You go into a game thinking, I want to win this game, um, which I think that's what you should instil in everybody. It is a case of, you know, when is the right time and the wrong time to start talking about that within, you know, certainly the junior players. But no, it's, it's encouraging to hear you say that because, again, you've obviously gone from a, quite a high-pressure environment in terms of Birmingham and what that all brings to then a case of, you know, when you made the step across over to Coventry, you know, again, they were a team that were 
they were aiming to try and win a league as well. So again, you've got to hit the ground running when you go in to places like that. So that was really good. So Hannah, you also worked with Marcus Bignot at Blues as well. Now during his time at the club, he was successful in gaining promotions as a manager, raising the profile of the club with key signings such as Rachel Yankin and Alex Scott. But also the work he did behind the scenes in terms of the youth development that has paid dividends for the club long term. So on reflection from your experiences of working with Dave, Mark and Marcus, if ever you decide to go into coaching, can you see yourself, Hannah, taking different aspects of how they would coach or manage to help shape your approach in doing this type of work? Can you see a bit of all of them you could mix together and sort of develop your style of coaching as well, if that's something you want to move into long term? Coaching, obviously, that's it's been something that I have considered. I think in the future, yes, I probably will get into coaching. And working with those three, uh, they're all completely different, but you could take all sorts of you know different qualities from them. And again, three great coaches that I've worked with, all with with a great passion for for women's football. And that's something that would I would I would like to take into into if I did consider doing coaching. You followed a similar path such as players like Katie Wilkinson by playing both for Blues and Villa, of which you were managed at the time by Joe Hunt at the Villa. How did you rate the standard of football during your time in the WSL2 at Villa and your time at the club would have involved playing on the 3G at Coles Lane? Are you an advocate of playing on 3G and what has been the most impressive away grounds you've played at so far in your career? Around the same time after I left Blues, went to Villa. And the standard of football, there is a difference but I wouldn't say there was a massive difference when I moved down to Villa. Um, at the time I just wanted, I needed game time. Joe said to me that we need a left back, I want you to play so I was more than happy just to to get in and just just start playing football and get some uh, minutes under my belt at the time a club that I actually really enjoyed playing with the 3G there's a debate about the 3G Uh, I don't mind playing on 3G because I think you can play some good football on the 3G but obviously there's science behind the fact that injuries in women's football like your ACL injuries that people are against playing on the 3G but for me I, I do prefer playing on grass and some of the away stadiums that I've been to with Villa, I think we played at Vicarage Road uh, against Watford, and that's a great stadium. Played at the Den as well. Um, also, Yeovil's Men's Ground, a great grass pitch. Really enjoyed playing there. Played at Villa Park, which again is it's just it's a very good ground, um, and enjoy playing there. I just want to go back a step from the time when you was at Birmingham, and then you get told by Dave, right, we'd like you to go over to Coventry to to go and get some women's uh, senior football experience. As we alluded to earlier in the show, you know that was probably your first time of stepping into a women's senior environment in terms of match days. But you're also going into a team at the time that were competing to win a league. So again, was it just a case of go and get games and and see how it looks from that point of view? But always with one eye on wanting to to get back to Birmingham as quick as you could. It was to just go and get some game time, but it wasn't easy, and I had to prove myself, and I knew I had to prove myself. So it was one of those where. It could have gone either way. I said if I hadn't played well or proven myself, who knows what would have gone on. It was just I was more focused on getting my football, getting the game time, doing what I can to help Coventry during the season. I was always in contact with Dave, so he was just speaking about how how it was going. And obviously, I think he was getting feedback from the coaches on how well I was playing. It was just one of those where it was just a waiting game and just to see how what Dave was going to say and whether I could come come across and and play with the the, uh, the first team. And did it turn out to be a season you was at Coventry, yeah? No, I think it was a half a season. I think I left 
after Christmas, so it was in January. How were the Coventry girls with you around that time? Was you like the, the young up-and-coming player from Birmingham coming in or, you know, were they really arm around the shoulder to try and give you the best opportunity to move on? Because I know sometimes when we use the term loan players or dual registered or whatever people want to call them, sometimes senior players and players from a, the club that you're going into sometimes can be a little bit resistant towards it because, you know, you're coming in to get game time, but they know, you know, mentally, you know, potentially your mind is elsewhere. And for a manager to have to leave, you know, a regular player out, you know, that's probably been at the club for for quite a while. That does put added pressure on you at that time that you probably didn't realise. Would that be fair to say? Yes, definitely. Um, But as far as I'm aware, I think the girls were very supportive, very encouraging as well, Um, obviously still being quite young some great players in there definitely very supportive um I couldn't fault them and obviously the coaches as well very supportive in encouraging me to do better and, and play well who would have been manager at Coventry at that time would that have been Paul Cudby or would that have been Craig Nichols I think to start with it was Paul Cudby he actually coached me at, I believe at under 14s as well at Blues yeah so yeah at Blues it was nice to go into there to start with because I obviously knew Paul and he sort of, sort of knew me as a player. And again, um, somebody who's probably very different, again, to, you know, Marcus, Mark and Dave. You know, again, I, I know Paul well, very bubbly, uh, very good coach. Just go on record, that's not me saying that the other three aren't. Obviously, having managed against Paul over the years, I, I know how he how he works with his players in that sense. So you say you was there till January time. The phone call then come back to say from Dave, right, we want to bring you back in and... We want to bring you in and around the first team. How did that experience then start to look? Because by that point, you've played, let's just say, 15, 16 games of senior football. You're probably just starting to get your rhythm. And then they call you back. I suppose in one breath, you might have been pleased because that's what you wanted to do. But how did that next period of time look for you? Yeah, obviously, in one thought, obviously, I was pleased. I mean, the training at the Blues first team was just, I think, again, fitness-wise, again, probably the fittest I've ever been. But obviously not having much game time. But obviously being in and around all the experienced players, obviously the internationals you had, like your Karen Carnes, um, your Laurel Bassett, the things just to watch them and how they train, how they play, you learn a lot of things. But obviously after a period of time, you think, oh, I want to play football. And is this the right place for me to be, for me to progress as a, as a player and get game time? sensing how you're talking now and, and like you say you're training with some top top players training against the likes of Karen Carney for a young left back knowing that she might have been playing up against you in you know 11 v 11 practices you would have learned so much from that but was it then starting to become after you know a period of time when you're back and you've not made the break into the first team was you starting to then become frustrated because you, you know you'd you'd done well at Coventry only a couple of leagues lower than what you were doing. You went out to get senior football on the basis of what the staff at Birmingham told you. Probably at that time may, may have felt that you were ready to be a lot closer to make the step up. But when that didn't happen and come, how did that then start to feel in terms of when you were going into training and when, especially on match days or on a Sunday where you're thinking, I could be out now getting games and you was potentially sat in the stand watching the first team at Birmingham and probably hit a bit of a a block at that point how did that feel it was frustrating I think obviously I think every, every player goes through it and you just have to think I enjoy being here obviously because of the experience but is it good 
for me personally as my journey uh, and I, and playing football. But obviously, with I used to share obviously a car with um, Chelsea Weston because obviously she's from Worcester as well. So her being an experienced player, obviously I had plenty of conversations with her, giving me great advice and just saying that yeah, go and get football and get some game time. It was frustrating at the time, but obviously you just got to think about what's best for you, really. Who broached that subject? Because again, you know, in quite a quite a senior dressing room and environment at first team level at that point, was it you who had to go and knock on Dave and Marcus's door or was that something they sat down with you and said, this is what we feel you need to go to that next level? I think Dave approached me to start with and said Villa would come in for me. Because obviously I wanted to stay here, but then he was like, I think it's good for you to go to Villa and, and get game time. But yeah, that's how the process started. Dave approached me and and said that Villa had spoken to him about me. Under 10s to reserves, you've played through the age groups. You then get loaned out to Coventry, you then get brought back. You carry on training with the first team. And then it's a case of, right, we now want to send you out to Villa or Villa have made approach, however that come about. What was your first initial reaction to that? Was it a case of, yeah, it's just about going out and getting games? Or was there ever in the back of your mind now as you starting to think that your football career might need to start somewhere else away from Birmingham? Or when you went to Villa, was there still that carrot being dangled that you may come back to Birmingham? At the time, I think I wanted to... Um, I went home and I just processed it and just had a good think. Obviously, it's going from Blues to Villa. But I think once I had a few conversations with uh, Joe and how enthusiastic he was and how much he want, wanted me to come and play for the club, it made me feel a bit more comfortable in making that decision that if I was going to go, be for good and yeah, to start my journey with those Villa. In football, in terms still, although you've experienced a lot at you know, a big, big club within women's football in this country. It's still young enough to be able to, like you say, to, the shackles are off. You're at Villa. You thank Blues for everything they've done. You've clearly got a little bit of a, a connection with Joe in the sense that, you know, he wants to bring you in. I'm guessing he would have known you from the C of E days because he would have been at Villa's C of E days at that point. As the journey at Villa started, was it just a case of, right, let's just get games and, and see how it goes? Or, again, was the, the mindset, I want to get back to WSL level to prove Blues what I was about? I think at that point, I think I just wanted to do well with Villa and just work hard and obviously get and see where we Villa as, as a team could push forward to. I was quite focused on that. And once I'm playing for them, they had my complete focus. Um, obviously to start with I think my confidence was quite quite low so it took me a while to obviously to get that back and obviously that came with having game time which you know I, I enjoyed So who would have been at Villa at that time the likes of Carly Davis Natalie Gibson they would have been some of the senior players in the group how were they when you first come into the group was it an arm around the shoulder or was there a lot of banter flying around because you've come from Birmingham I'd come just after, so they weren't in the in in and around the team. So Jade Richards, Beth Merrick, Sherry McHugh, sort of players like that. She's still a fairly young dressing room in that sense because you know certainly Beth and Sherry they're not they're not players that I would deem to be like senior players at, at that point. So was it just a case because I think at that time thinking about it when Joe did come in, he did have a little bit of a clear out in the sense of a lot of the older players did move on. So you've gone in playing WSL2, which again would have been the highest senior level of football you'd have been playing on a regular basis at that point. 
again, did you start to notice the difference from obviously C of V into reserves, then going across to Coventry, who would have been the league or potentially the league below that, where you'd gone, training with the likes of Karen Carney and doing all of that kind of stuff. It's a different kind of football fitness to now go into WSL2 where there's every club at that level was well respected and had a lot of very good players. Was it a little bit like, wow, this is really quick, fast and furious or was it just something you you took in your stride and got on with? I took it in my stride and just got on with it. Just try to work hard and play football and enjoy it. That was my main focus. Get back into enjoying it and getting game time and staying focused. That was sort of the the main things that that I was thinking about, really. How long was the Villa experience before you moved on? I think I was there for three years. Obviously, the Summer League changed, and then we had the Spring Series, so it was all confusing as to what, how many seasons or how long I was there for, because it all was changing in between that. They're still waiting to be an answer on what will happen with, you know, the WSL and the Championship, but it's fair to say this season, Villa are, are flying. But I think it's fair to say that in the early WSL two days, they were they were always a mid-table to bottom half of the table team. And that was purely because of the, the clubs at that level had had that bit more experience and probably had access to a wider pool of players. Because I think it's fair to say locally, if you didn't play for Blues, you played for Villa. And if you didn't play for Villa, you played for Coventry or something like that. So there was... There wasn't a lot of clubs for a lot of good players to, to go to. So how was it in that sense? You know, you'd have been 19, 20, 21, you know, 22 by the time you left, potentially about 100 games of football underneath your belt. What was that whole Villa experience like for you in terms of the quality of the league that you'd stepped up into? By the time you'd left, did you look and go, yeah, do you know what? I think I'm more than comfortable at this level, which having watched you play that level you certainly come across as somebody who was very, very comfortable at WSL2. Obviously, you have your ups and downs, but generally I felt I did feel comfortable at um, WSL2 level. We had quite a young young side. It was generally local players in and around Birmingham that played for Villa. Yeah, obviously, you don't get the players that come from lots of different cities. But yeah, obviously, this season they're flying um, and I think they've got a bit more, more back in this season. So they have drafted in those those players that are from elsewhere, which are performing and, I mean, fair play to them. Um, so, fingers crossed that, you know, it does carry on and then they get promoted. Overall, it was a good experience and I enjoyed playing at WSL 2 level. I would love to play at again. When you was at the Village with Joe Hunt was managing there as well, um, how did you find Joe's style and approach of management compared to the other characters you've, you've had so far in your career, you know, people like Marcus and, and Dave, etc.? Um, are they a, a similar sort of approach, do you think, or did you find Joe was quite particular in his, in his way how he, he'd want to sort of set things out and set things out on the pitch as well? A different style, um, not too, too different, but obviously every sort of coach manager has their own ideas as to how they want you to play. But yeah, very encouraging, very positive and obviously always wanted to win and very competitive. So after your time at Villa then, uh, Hannah, so on moving from Villa, you joined West Brom and an opportunity to work with current manager Louis So Lou was starting to rebuild the squad. How did he outline to you the role he was looking for you to undertake as part of his rebuilding plans for the squad? And did he really spell out to you the sort of central role he wanted you to have in that sort of process? Yeah, obviously knowing Louis, uh, I'd come, come across him at Blues Development and played a few games under him and I knew that you know he was a very good coach. And yeah, when I come to West Brom, he sort of went, explained to me what, what went on, obviously the season before and the players that he lost, how he's, he's rebuilding the team. 
and how the season's going so far because I come halfway through the season in January. He obviously knows that I've got experience in the WSL too and he just said, we're, we're towards the bottom. I just want you to come in and help us get the points and try and keep us up. And knowing that there was the situation you was going into, Hannah, how did that make you feel? Did you see it as a real, on a personal basis, a challenge that you wanted to accept and embrace at the same time? Well, I knew, I knew it was going to be a challenge. Um, obviously, I've not played in, in that league before, so I was willing to just give everything and try and help the club get the points and the team. And obviously, brought in a few of the players. Um, but obviously, with the short amount of time that we're all on different levels and obviously it's difficult to gel with players in such a short amount of time when they've used to playing with somebody else throughout the season it took time and it was frustrating it was frustrating I think but it was a challenge that you know I accepted but unfortunately yeah we did get relegated how did it all come about going to West Brom then like you alluded to you went there in the January was it just a case of had Villa season finished and it was a case of going over there or was you not playing at Villa and it was a case of like you wanted to move on to something different? So Villa, I think there was a, a management change and uh, in certain situations where I don't get on and I wasn't playing. Um, so my decision was that I, I needed to leave, just get back to enjoying playing football and get my confidence back and go somewhere that I feel like I would enjoy the environment. So I, I contacted Louis um, obviously and knowing of Louis and I found out he was at West Brom and obviously I went down watched a few training sessions like the environment obviously the training sessions and stuff it was positive the girls were enjoying the sessions so that was something that I thought I could go in and enjoy myself and and get some confidence back. It happens, doesn't it, that managers change. I'm talking about the spell at Villa and a new manager comes in, things move on. So from that point of view, again, I think it's still very uplifting that you're looking upon it as a case of, I just want to go and play. You'd obviously experienced it a few years before where your season started and then it stopped and all of that. So you've made the decision, you've gone to West Brom. I remember around Christmas, January time, speaking to Louis and he was saying, you know, he'd he'd gone for a massive rebuild and all of that. And it just didn't get going for them after Christmas. And we've had Louis on the show and we had Hattie James on the show. They both spoke about that period of their footballing life. And I think sometimes people talk about relegation and a tough time mentally. You know, Louis a, a new manager to senior football. Quite a big job for his first senior job as well. You find out you get relegated. Was there ever any doubt in that summer that you were... You know, you were going to maybe look to move on somewhere else, or was it just a case of because the environment was good and there was positive people around what you were doing there? It was a case of right, let's have a real crack because I think it's fair to say when you went down to the league below, everybody from the outside looking in knew it was going to be a, a shootout between West Brom and Wolves to to win the league. So, in theory, you you're not going to be fighting another relegation battle. Getting relegated was it was it was tough. To start with, when I started playing, some of the results that we got, very unlucky to not pick up points. Um, and you just sort of could see it going going that way that we were going to get relegated. But going down into that league, I think, was a question of, do I want to drop to that league or do I want to go elsewhere? Purely because I was enjoying the environment, I was enjoying my football again. I thought, do you know what, I think we can come straight back up anyway. And the people, the players that Louis brought in, um, we had a very young squad, but with good quality players. Yeah, we knew it was going to be between us and Wolves. And we definitely didn't make it easy for ourselves. 
you know, we sort of had that confidence in the group that we could do it and win the league and come back up. From that point of view, the season started well. I think you just went unbeaten for the vast majority of the season. But when you was at West Brom, and, and again, you know, you've, you've experienced the rivalry when you was at Blues and Villa of Blues and Villa. Other than the, you know, your, your centre of excellence days, you, you've not played when you talk about competitive derbies at that stage. So even now you'd have been, what, 23, 24, around that period of time. You're now starting to play in a derby, you know, the Black Country derby. How are them games? Because, you know, I think when we spoke to others from both West Brom and Wolves, the league that year, whilst, yes, it was competitive, there was one game that stood out for both sides. How much of a difference was the the build-up and the preparation for the Wolves games that you had? Because am I right in saying you beat them in the first game and lost in the second or the other way around? Yeah, we beat them in the in the first game and uh, lost in the last game of the season. But the build-up to the game, uh, obviously I've not experienced it and some of the girls saying, yeah, we get quite a big crowd in and, and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I'm really looking forward to it. But the build-up, everybody was on it, everybody was focused. Obviously the first game, we, we knew what we had to do. We knew we had to go out there and get those three points because that could be, that could be the turning point for us. That could be the the three points that we need to get ahead of them and yeah the first game it was the weather was horrendous like the wind and but everybody grafted didn't play the best but we took our chances and that's something that they didn't do so I was just over the moon that we beat them. In terms of that game the feeling after was that totally different to playing against other teams in your division where you was expected to win I think it's fair to say when you went into the games against West Bromwell Wolves both teams would think that they can both win and both teams would expect that they could win a league. So there would be a different feeling in the build-up to training. You know, all of a sudden, people that might not be 100% bang at it in training. Normally, going into the Wolves game, everybody was on the front foot and all of that. But the feeling after, was that just a case of once you'd beat them that first time, was it a case of, right, not only have we beat them, but then there'd probably become added pressure from your point of view because you had to stay ahead of them because you weren't playing them then till the last game of the season. It was one of those where we beat them and I think everybody was just over the moon. We knew that the next two, three games were important for us, that we need to keep that standard, keep the standard that we, we played at and, and push on and, and keep getting those wins. The last game of the season, it was a strange game. I think we weren't as focused because we'd already have, have won the league, it was a different sort of run-up to it. I think we were all excited because we knew we'd get the trophy at their ground and lift it there. Whatever result it was, we were over the moon anyway. I was trying to keep everybody focused, but spirits were high. They scored some great goals. It's fair to say the two of you that year were the, were the standout teams and looking at it from afar, it was one, one hell of a, a title race between the two of you. Luckily for West Brom, over the course of the season, you've come out on top. At the same time, though, it's quite a, a positive season for you. You also made two cup finals. So you got to the, the Birmingham County FA Cup final against Coventry United. And you also got to the FA Plate final against Liverpool Feds. Lost against Coventry, a game that I was at and a game where, as well as I thought Coventry played, I just thought on the night, you know, that was the spell where Coventry had just won the league above and we're just about to go into WSL2. One thing that's sticking out with me at the moment was something I've seen on Twitter, which was the game away at Plymouth Argyle, which I think was the semi-final of the plate 
trophy that you you guys got to the final of, but unfortunately couldn't play. And I think it was just after we'd interviewed Hattie James for the show. So I knew that obviously we'd been following it through social media and seeing the fact that you travelled down the night before. The club really looked after you through in that sense. How was that, obviously, from the point of view of what was that game like for you? We had great preparation. Um, obviously, travelling down the night before, you know, it just brings the team together when you're all together, night before a game. Having plenty of time in the morning to have breakfast and we prepared well. Plymouth, they're a very good team. It was very tough. We had a lot of chances. Um, we should have scored a few more. The game got really close and towards the end, I think the majority of the team was were cramping up. To get that goal, I was just relieved that we didn't go to penalties, I think. I think I've seen it. It was the, the 116th minute. But I want to talk about your involvement in the goal. Build-up play that we've seen from the video, you know, ball broke out to, to Hattie. I think she set it back and then you've stepped in and from about 25, 30 yards and you've just hit one, which for the whole visual, it looked like that was going into the top corner. Was you gutted when it hit the bar? I was gutted, I'm not going to lie, because I hit it and I hit it sweet. And you, do you know when you hit one of those and you think, that's going in? And it hit yeah. the bar, I was like, no way. But uh, I'm just glad it fell to Nick and just pull it in the back of the net. But yeah, and I was like, I haven't got the legs to run with it, so I'm just going to hit this and see yeah. how it goes. But, you know. No, it was a great strike and 120 minutes. You know, obviously you travelled down the night before, so that was great in terms of your, your preparation. But 120 minutes... What was the dressing room and the coach journey like after? Was it hyper and bouncing or was everyone just ready to go to sleep because you'd just done extra time and then you had a five-hour coach journey back? At the end in the change room, like had some music on, everybody's buzzing. Yeah, we got on the coach and I think everybody would just sat there and just process the whole game and that was a tough one. Everybody grafted. One of the talking points was I did concede a penalty and it was whether it was a penalty or wasn't a penalty. But luckily, you know, Ness made a, um, a massive save. So she definitely kept us in at that point. And then obviously you beat Liverpool Feds, who were the same level as you. There was a picture after the game against Liverpool Feds where you're all throwing Louis up and down in the air. And he looked terrified, as much as he was smiling like he always does, he looked terrified that you were going to drop him. But when I looked at all of the players in the picture, it was almost like, do you know what? Everything that we went through 12 months before with the relegation and all of that, it was almost like we've won the league. Yeah, OK, we've lost against Cov in the the other cup final, but they are the league above going into the WSL too. And we've just won this. It was almost like everybody smiles on their faces. That wasn't just because you'd won the cup that day. It was just, it was almost what the, the whole 12 month journey had been. Would that be fair to say? Well, maybe we were laughing at him because he was screaming to put him down. But uh, no, that picture, yeah. So it's um, it was the whole journey. I think we we stuck at it as a group, and I think we were all relieved, and we felt like we deserved to win the plate again. Coventry were were a good good side, and obviously their confidence was high, and they played really well in that final. Um, but I was more than happy to to take the the league and the plate. We worked hard for um, that season, and it was down to Louis to, for keeping us all together and keeping us positive and focused on we had to do each game that we achieved that. Where you said about, yeah, OK, you, you lost the cup final to Coventry and yes, they were the league above and all of that. But winning the league, but also winning the plate, did that just kind of nail it that across the country that year, you were the best team at the level that you were operating at because you've won the league, but you've also won a, a national plate competition. Again, from your point of view, I'd be right in saying that that was probably the first league that you'd won as a 
as a player at senior level. What was that feeling like? Because again, like I said, you'd have been captain and all of that was everything that you'd gone through at Blues, then going to Coventry, coming back, going to Villa, then going to West Brom. Everything's massively on the up and, and rightly so. But was there almost an element of relief from yourself that everything you'd gone through was you were now starting to see the rewards of all of that? Yeah, I think the relief, the the joy, the happiness, just overwhelmed with everything. We won the plate. Everybody after the game just sat there and just processed it. It was just like, you know, together as a group, we've just won this national plate competition. Yeah, we had a bit of luck on the way, but we performed well in the final to win 5-1 and we didn't stop. And being captain again, lifting that plate and the league, I think, you know, I was, I was so proud over the moon for the club and for the girls. Throughout all those experiences, in the dressing room, when you're experiencing league campaigns and games like that, you know, when you're playing Wolves and all these experiences you've just talked about, who are the players who naturally stand out as leaders in the dressing room in those situations? The season before, we had obviously a very young team. Patty James, one of the older players at that time, she's a great leader and obviously playing against Wolves and stuff, it means a bit more to her, obviously, from coming from Wolves. Great leader. Nat Murray as well, great positive leader on the pitch and off the pitch, very positive and encouraging with the young ones, younger players, and they look up to her. So, yeah, those two, Hattie and Nat. Hannah, with regards to this season, then, you've reached the County Cup and plate finals, but unfortunately you'll not get the chance to contest these games against Wolves and Watford, respectively. But does their reach in these finals again indicate a measure of how the club is continuing to progress under Louis' leadership? And since the decision was made to expunge this season and finish the season obviously earlier than what was expected, how have you and the players been preparing for when pre-season and games actually do restart? I mean, it's a credit to Louis. I think we're all moving in the right direction as a group. I think we've built a solid a solid squad, brought in some experienced players. We get on well together. Um, we jar really well. Reaching the cup finals and the plate final again was credit to the group because we worked hard. Um, in terms of the minute, I think we did a lot of yoga at the start, uh, some Zoom chats, just trying to keep in contact with everybody and just making sure everybody's all right, do some running circuits and go to the local park and have a kickabout. But yeah, that's the main things we do. There's one common theme here, isn't there, Hannah, that you've played for most of the big West Midlands teams. But if the opportunity presented itself, though, would you consider playing for other teams outside the West Midlands? For example, in other parts of the UK, would you be tempted to go and play maybe in the northwest of the country or teams in London? Do you see yourself mainly as a player that, while you're happy playing in the West Mids, you're happy to stay and play in the West Mids? I like being quite local, close to home. You never know in the future if uh, an opportunity arises. It's something that I, I could consider. So, Hannah, from that point of view about wanting to stay local and all of that, which is, you know, it's understandable. You've built a lifestyle and a family in Worcestershire and all of that. You know, not everybody wants to move away to play football. Do you now believe you're at a club in West Brom that WSL2 football in the future is is a realistic aim? I think as a as a group of players that we have at the minute, I think we have we've got a lot of potential, quite a, a young group, and I think if we can stick together and grow as a team, no reason why we can't push to get promoted and get into the uh, WSL two. Best player you've played with and why? I think Chelsea Weston for me as a fullback, she was quality. The long balls, the aggressive nature in like her tackling, the communication she gave on the pitch and the encouragement, all around great player. Best player you've played against and why? Gemma Davidson. She is just so quick. She's got such quick feet. Um, obviously played against her. I was playing for Villa and she was playing for Chelsea and she was just running rings around me. I just could not catch up with her. The happiest 
time you've had in football? It's got to be uh, West Brom last season, winning the league and, and the plate. Who would you say has been the manager or coach that's got the most out of you and why? Mark Skinner, because I did have him at the centre okay. and through the reserves and he was always pushing me to be better, just giving me all that detail on how to be better and how to perform. Whenever he was watching, I was like, oh, I've got to give my best here. Do you see yourself in the future when football does come to an end to take a coaching route in the game or do you kind of see yourself as, I've had my time now, I'm going to move on to something different? My dad always say, says to me that I need to go and do my badges. Without football, I'm not sure what I would do. So I think if I could stay involved in that way, if I retire and stay in coaching and start my journey through coaching, that would be beneficial for me. Last question then in the quick fire round. It's the old favourite. You've got to pick a five-a-side team to go and play against West Brom's under-18s boys in the Dome. But you've got to pick a five-a-side team. The only rule is you've got to have one goalkeeper any formation you want, but you've got to tell us the reasons why you would pick this team. Uh, I am going to stick with the, my West Brom girls. Um, so I'm going to go nesting goal, put myself in defence, and I'm going to go Nat Murray, because five-a-side, she's got long legs and it takes two steps for her to cover the pitch, so she's good at five-a-side. Shannon Stamps is a youngster, and I think she's got great feet, a good player. She won our player's player this season. And then Keely Davis up front. She's quality and she's got some goals in her. That's a very, very good five-a-side team, to be fair. Hannah, from my point of view, you know, I think you've been great so far. Thank you for coming on. Kev, over to you. Hannah, thanks for that then. Thanks for you selecting your five-a-side team as well. And uh, back to more traditional sort of setup for us on the Women's Football Podcast because you put yourself in the starting five, but you obviously want to get your shooting boots on and get on the pitch and play, which is good to hear. But we're coming towards the end of the programme now where Hannah, myself, Ross Thorpe and all the team at Switch Sport and Switch Radio, thanks ever so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating journey. Take care. Look after yourself. All the best. Switch Radio Sport. This is Switch.